It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. From the diamond to the clubhouse to the front office, this is the show that feeds the passion for all Twins fans. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Well, welcome to another edition of Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. It's made in Minnesota, how memories are created and legends are made. A couple of Minnesota-made legends right here. Jack Morris is here. Paul Molitor is here. And I'm going to start with the good news, guys. It's not raining right now after uh, what, uh, waiting for four hours yesterday. And, Paul, let's start there because you never want to ra- wait around that long. But by the same token, if you're going to wait, you just soon get that ball game in. I have to think, though, it didn't turn your way in the win-loss column. You're happy that that game was able to get played. Well, I, I think that everybody at some point when the delay gets that lengthy, you know, you're just saying, hey, we should just go ahead and try to move it to the next day and play a doubleheader. The reality is doubleheader days are very difficult especially when they're split it changes your pitching rotation all those type of things so you know we hung in there for a couple of hours and we started to get reports that it was a little more optimistic about playing once we got to around five o'clock so we hung in there got the game in sure would have been nice to win it would have made it a lot better Sunday morning but you know uh, we played and, and that's a good thing even though we had to wait those four hours before we started. Paul it seems like because of the way baseball has switched scheduling and teams only come in one time that makes a impact of how long you're going to wait for a weathered out day whether it's in the spring or in the summertime with rain you know the angels are in here one time sure. and they they don't want to come back, and you guys don't, you know, want to have to change your schedule. Yeah, on that. I think Jack, you know, we, we've played the unbalanced schedule now for quite a while, but it has impacted how some of the decisions surrounding whether problematic days go. You know, we we understood that you know to play was probably the right thing. It's just that how long are you going to wait? You know, at one point they were talking about waiting until seven or seven thirty before we started that game with some of the forecast models that we had. But you know, thankfully five o'clock it was very doable. I think both uh, the Angels and the Twins, as far as the players, uh, are happy that we got that game in. Paul, a subject you've discussed before, and I don't know that there's an answer to it, but it's it's worth discussing. The one-run, two-run games. 19 of your losses by one or two runs. You've said repeatedly, we need to figure out how to get over the hump in these ball games. When you look at extreme records in those close games, often there's a glaring reason why. Sure. Maybe a guy has a bad back end of the bullpen or, or whatever. That's not really the case with your club. It just seems like there's little things that are happening over the course of the nine innings leading up to the end of the ball game, where you end up uh, tilting to the other side of the boat. Can can you put your finger on that, or is well, that one of the big mysteries of your club? I think there is probably more occurrences than not where how you fare in those closer games over the long haul will be a huge determining factor about where your season ends up. Now, does it mean that we've played horribly or we haven't competed? You know, of course not. I mean, with all these close games, it means that you're hanging around and you're, you know, being competitive on a fairly consistent basis. But 
when they start to mount up, I think there's the mental component of guys, you know, starting to feel like, hey, here's another one of those situations. What's going to happen? Sometimes it's more negative than positive, and more times than not for us, it's, it's it hasn't worked out our way. I, I think that you're right about the little things that can happen in a game that might not be in the eighth or ninth inning that could be difference makers in, in the outcome of, of some of those games. I think those things have probably cost us as much as the fact that we've given up some walk-off homers and those type of things is we haven't taken advantage and played clean games, and it's come down to something late in the game that hasn't gone for us. One of the victims of what we're talking about is Kyle Gibson. Here's a kid that has probably had uh, at least a half a dozen opportunities to win games that he ends up getting a no decision or, in yesterday's case, a loss where he pitches a pretty good ball game, gets you fairly deep into the game, and because of run production, uh, it's not yeah. turning out. And if you would have asked me a year ago, that's the one part of this game that I thought the Twins were always going to score runs. They, they were a team that was putting up runs all the time, and it's just not the case this year. Well, you know, a couple of reactions to that, Jack. Um, you know, if you look at Kyle Gibson's line of pitching this year, um, you know, without looking at wins and losses, he, you would not guess that it would stand at one and four or whatever it is. It's just been too many, you know, good performances where he's pitched fairly deep and he's held down the opponents to a reasonable number, and we haven't been able to find a win many of those games. So, you know, I'd, I've been I've been very pleased with how he's thrown the ball overall. I think he's tried to make some adjustments, both mentally and physically, of how he goes about trying to compete, and I think he's he has stepped up for us for the most part. The overall inability to score runs, I think that we all felt pretty good about our offense heading into spring training. And, you know, we added Morrison. We had a lot of guys on the rise in terms of not only tenure but performance last year. And, uh, you know, we just haven't compensated particularly well for some of the adversity that we've had to face with people going down and things like that. A lot of baseball left. Um, I still think that we have guys that are going to help us produce besides Rosie and Esky, uh, and we just got to get some of those guys going to, to give us a better chance offensively. That's Paul Molitor. Jack Morris is here as well. We've got much more still to come. Just getting started on a Sunday edition of Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. How memories are created and legends are made. Stay with us. We're back with more with Jack and Paul on your home for Twins Baseball. You're listening to the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Chris Atterbury, welcoming you back to our network headquarters here at Target Field. It's a Sunday, which means we kick things off across our network with Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Jack Morris is here. Paul Molitor is here. Uh, and we're talking about the Minnesota Twins, and in particular pitching. We mentioned Kyle Gibson. Lately, Lance Lynn has certainly looked much, much more, Paul, like the Lance Lynn I think you expected to be able to roll out there every five days. What's been the biggest difference? Is it just a matter of the, the weather heating up and him getting his legs under him? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if I can for certain say what the difference has been over the last four starts or so. You know, when a guy has pitched well at this level for a fairly significant amount of time, you would think that that would start to return. How much the transition and coming over here to a new team probably didn't get the deal he thought he was going to get this winter, and he's kind of pitching for his future at the same time and uh, had an abbreviated spring. There, there was a lot of things that were involved, and none of them really excuse excuses as much as hey he didn't pitch particularly well but he's got his feel back and uh you know i think throwing more strikes throwing more quality strikes uh velocity's ticked up a little bit here the last couple starts there's some positive things that are going i i think overall if, if you look at what our rotation has done you know you'd have to be fairly pleased that you know they've all kind of contributed at different times and given us 
you know, some quality starts and opportunities to win, but we haven't supported those guys particularly well. One guy that seems to have emerged as the future, I guess, uh, maybe even the current ace yeah. of the staff is Jose Brios. He has uh, pitched extremely well on his last few starts again, uh, got another complete game his last start, and it seems like you can see a difference from the team when he's on the mound. Yeah, I, I think that... Uh, you know, we've had a chance to watch him kind of grow up in front of our eyes. You know, he's still a, a very young kid, but just the maturity. Always has had the confidence that he was going to do well here. I, I think when things kind of went awry for him at different times over the past couple of years, you know, it had an effect on him. He started to question, you know, what he needed to do to get better, but it, but he stayed the course. You know, we all know that he's a very diligent worker. Um, he, he's mindful of what his craft is. And he's found ways to be more efficient. I don't think that we see him trying to throw 95, 96, 97. He's, he's really gotten that command thing down by, by staying, keeping his alignment uh, a lot better. And, and the consistency. You know, we all know the stuff is there. The breaking balls returned after a couple of games where it was kind of backing up on him. Just has a good plan, and he's been very efficient at uh, executing. And you mentioned efficient, and that's key because he's the one guy who consistently is getting past the seventh inning. He's he's gotten into the eighth and ninth, and nobody else has done that. Jake Odorizzi, in particular, has a guy who has really hit the wall in that fifth, sixth inning. Uh, and everyone this year, we want to talk about third time through the lineup, third yep. time through the lineup. We've seen it with opposing starters. Danny said something yesterday, and I hate to quote Gladden on anything, but he <laughs> said, guys like Morris... They wanted to see you a third time because as a pitcher, they felt they'd figured the hitter out after seeing him twice and knew how to attack him. Now, Paul, as a yeah. hitter, in your own right, I figure you probably look at it the other way. You want to see the pitcher a third time because you've seen everything he has. Uh, do we make too much of that, and is it is it something that's more mental sure. than anything else, this wall that comes up third time through the order? I, I think that with the attention that that subject has received, it's become more of how guys think about that. I mean, pitchers hear that their stuff the third time around is going to be, you know, maybe not as effective with what's hitters that they have faced multiple times. You know, I, I get it, and I do look at numbers, and I do see that guys that maybe struggle when they get into that higher pitch count as well as seeing some guys for the third time. But, you know, over 162 games, if you're going to manage according to just that, <laughs> your, your bullpen's going to be toast. <laughs> so, you know, you try to strike that balance for sure. Paul, I really see it simply as one thing, pitch count. If you can cruise through the first two, three innings, and you've seen the lineup uh, very limited, I mean, they haven't seen right. a lot of your pitches, and you haven't shown them your whole arsenal, I think it's a huge difference. That's what we're seeing in Barrios now. He's having quicker innings, right. and he's not walking anybody. He's challenging them. And it's so simple in some ways for me to describe it, and yet so difficult to execute. Yeah, on. I think that's a good point, Jack. I mean, you know, obviously if you're going through the lineup the third time in the fourth inning, that's, yeah. that's not going to be a good sign. Right. And, I, you know, I peek at that pitch count fairly frequently early in the game just to see are we staying on that pace, you know, roughly 15 per inning or whatever it might be, because you start to measure, you know, how far a guy is, is potentially going to go. Uh, you go through the list. Odorizzi has had trouble going deeper. A lot of it's been pitch count related. But the guys that have given us, you know, seventh in Brio's case, sometimes eight and nine, they're able to keep that down, and they are able to get some quick outs. And the first few innings do seem to snap by, which are always really good indicators of, of where that game might end up. How important are strikeouts to you for a pitcher? Because that's something that I see as I've always said, Tongue in cheek, sure. chicks dig strikeouts, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, and and yet 
pitch count in the world we live in today, strikeouts is just like walks. I mean, when you have to throw five pitches to get a strikeout and you can throw two to get a ground ball, therein lies part of the problem. Yeah, I'd, I'll take that first pitch pop-up every yeah. time, you know, as a manager. But I do understand that there are situations where guys who can strike people out are going to prevent runs, but invariably it is going to cost you pitches if you're a strikeout guy and maybe have some command issues. You know, so it, it's the game the way it is with the strikeout percentage escalating each and every year. Almost every pitcher that comes in a game now has a nine strikeouts per nine inning ratio. That's just yeah. just the way the game is right now because hitters certainly have changed their uh, philosophy that striking out is not such a big deal anymore. Well, yeah. again, Paul, we, we put so much emphasis on swing and miss pitches, and, and we, rightfully so. I mean, it is important. But I don't know as though it's important every hitter, every at-bat, all game long. I think there are situations in a game where a pitcher needs to have the ability to have a swing and miss pitch and get a strikeout. But I don't know as though it's that important on the first hitter of the game or the you know the third hitter of the no, game. I, I think that we might be a little bit too consumed by that. I think pitching, being aggressive, knowing how you can get some weak contact and and try to keep that lineup moving where yep. you, where you're kind of cruising through it as opposed to, you know, okay, I got I got the first nine guys out, but I've already thrown fifty pitches. I mean that doesn't do anybody any good. Yeah, great conversation, and I'll wrap it up as we had to break with something one of your coaches, Jeff Pickler, said even yesterday during the rain delay. We talk about hitters saying strikeouts are no big deal, but then we say we need pitchers who strike everybody out. So if they're that important for the pitcher, wouldn't it stand a reason that yeah. they would be that important for the hitter not to do it? We'll take a break. This is Inside Twins. Short segment coming up on your home for Twins Baseball. This is Byron Buster. You're listening to Twins Baseball on News Radio 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Inside Twins. Chris Atterbury alongside Paul Molitor and Jack Morris. It's Inside Twins brought to you by Killer Root Beer made in Minnesota. How memories are created, legends are made. Let's talk a little bullpen, Paul, and it goes hand in hand. Bullpens are better when starting pitching is better and it goes yeah. deeper into ball games. Rodney's been very, very good at the back end. Uh, we've seen a a little home run issue for Addison Reed. Is that a stuff issue? Is that a pitch selection issue? And is there any concern on your on your part in that regard? Uh, you know, the concern comes from the fact that, you know, he has strung together, a, you know, a handful of outings here where, you know, he's been hurt by the long ball. You know, I, I, and getting to know Addison over the past four months or so, he, he he's very, you know, he's got that mental toughness and all those type of things, but it takes its toll when, when it happens somewhat frequently over a short period of time. We had a nice talk the other day. I, I'm looking for some spots to get him in the game right now that may be a little bit less stressful than the eighth inning, try to find him his way to get back on track. Yeah, but you're right about Rodney on the back end. At times, almost everybody's had some good stretches, but there's been some inconsistencies. Not everyone's going to you know, just cruise through a year. There's going to be times when results are a little tough, tougher to get. We, we've seen it with Presley, who pitched really, really well for a while. He's had a couple of rough outings here. And, you know, when that happens, you just got to let these guys know that, you know, either we're going to stay the course or, you know, we're going to maybe change it up a little bit here to try to get you back on track. And you have to look at each one of those individually. Is it easier to try to find some spots for Addison to get him back where he's been before and he can be again in the Hildenberger, who started slowly, is pitching probably his best baseball of the year right now. Yeah. uh, You know, a follow-up on the Reed thing is that if you're an eighth-inning guy or a closer guy, you know, you're just going to face the guys that are coming up. There's... You can look for maybe better matchup innings for them rather than just throwing them in the middle of the fire. Sometimes that helps. And you ask about his home run issues. I I think it's more about location than it has been about stuff. 
Um, you know, he's just he's just center a lot of pitches, and when they do, you know, sometimes you get lucky. They line out or they, you know, they follow them back. But as of late, they've been hitting them over the fence, and, and that's and that's been tough. And and Hildy been throwing really well didn't have a great start but he's been getting it kind of locked in his velocity's gone up both on his two seamer and his over the top four seamer and uh, has pitched really well as of late paul you played with a, a great player a hall of famer raleigh fingers yeah. who told me one time to be a reliever is outhouse or castle yeah. and uh you know it's a, it's a mentality of knowing that you know you sometimes no matter what you do you make the pitch. We saw Rodney do that in New York where he made right. a great pitch and lost a ball game right. on a home run to Sanchez. And, and you know, I, I try to talk a little bit about that mentality from the guys out of the bullpen. They don't have, uh, at least to start the game, nine innings to try to navigate. Yeah. They have an inning or sure. they have a hitter. It, it's, a, it's a fine line. It's a small margin of error. Um, you know, we're a result-oriented business, and, you know, you try to teach players that it's process and preparation and execution, and every once in a while that's not going to be enough if someone on the other side steps up and does something special. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just think that you have to really be able to focus on what you're doing, especially in those shorter outings when you're just trying to get three outs understanding you have a plan and you execute, you know, you could make a perfect pitch and someone might get a hit. I mean, that's just the way baseball has been for a long time. And you have to have, you know, that mental toughness and be willing to turn the page and come back the same the next day and be the same guy. We'll turn the page to our final segment. When we return on Inside Twins, take a look at today's matchup with the Halos on your home for Twins Baseball. All right, we're back here with the Inside Twins. Paul Molitor is the star of the show. Paul, uh, today's starting lineup features a kid that we need to uh, discuss a little bit and Fernando Romero. I think we've all been happy to see him get this opportunity that he has over the past month or so. I think for the most part, you know, he, he's taken advantage of it. Yeah. You know, he still finds himself in the rotation. He's given us some some really good outings. He had the one really rough one in Kansas City, which is, you know, I'm never surprised when a young kid has a bad day. Sure. It's just it's just part of the process of maturing and getting your feet under you at this level. Uh, we all know his stuff is very high end. He I think he's learning how to pitch and use his stuff. Uh, I pay particularly close attention to how he's commanding his pitches because, you know, when I when I see him start to misfire a lot early, um, then he starts to overthrow and try to get it back with one pitch, all those type of things. But uh, I like how he's going about it, and uh, you know, today would be a nice for us to see him have one of his good performances. Uh, tough lineup over there. Some good matchups for him, though, with a lot of right-on-right right over there with the Angels. But he, he stepped up, and, he, and, he's, and he's done his job so far pretty well. That leads to, you know, you just made a point about uh, the Angels lineup. Uh, does that impose a problem as a manager when you know a kid has had a game like yeah. he had against Kansas City, and then you see a lineup that has a little bit more giddy up to yep. it i guess uh is that something you can are concerned with early or is it you know do you get a little sigh of relief knowing that he navigated through the first few innings knowing that maybe he'll be okay with it no i i think that just with the angels there you know the danger particular is in particular the first four or five hitters the right-handed guys kinsler's been hot even though he's overall hasn't had a great year to this point you know you got and then you got trout and upton who's been hitting a lot of homers as of late you know pujols is still dangerous so i i think that he's he's seen how we've pitched effectively over the last couple of days and what he needs to do to try to get through that the best way that he can and these guys can do damage in a hurry if you sure. make mistakes now the pitching hasn't been the issue last <clears throat> night it was looking for offense against nicky tropia 
Mariano today. You've got uh, Rosario and Escobar, we know, have yeah. uh, been very good on this homestand. What other bats are you going to fold around them in your lineup today? Well, I, I, I'm going to give Dozer a day today. Um, I think Brian's been really trying to be a catalyst for us, and, and some days it seems like he's almost trying too hard. Um, played him a lot. He's played at every game in some capacity, and so he'll be down. I'm actually going to play Escobar at second base today with Adrian's and Sano on the left side of the infield. And uh, uh, we're going to see Cave in center field today. Lamar's done a nice job out there defensively, but I want to give Cave a few swings. Um, and we're going to have Garber behind the plate. Morse will be at first. Uh, Kepin Rosie in the corners, and Grossman will DH. Yeah, we look forward to it. We appreciate Paul Mahler and Jack Morris. This is Inside Twins, brought to you by Killaby Root Beer on your home for Twins Baseball. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.